0: Welcome to Down the Rabbit Hole. This is episode number 14. And this podcast is a binary podcast, as we call it. It's a podcast where we talk about the science, the science fiction, the mysteries, the hoaxes, hoaxes conspiracy theories, yeah, the whole thing. Of topics, and we do it in two episodes hmm. where, you know. In the first one we talk about the sci the science fiction. And then the science And then the, the science facts. Hmm. And you heard him already, Uh, next to me, Carl Baldwin. Hi, Rafa, how are you? I'm fine, my name is Rafael Ruiz. And today is the second part of a very, very interesting topic. Very. Artificial life, playing God, making money. And
1: if listeners have missed the first... Mm-hmm. podcast maybe they should listen to that too. yes
0: you can go right now to episode 13 slash yeah. rh13 listen to it share your comments and thoughts and then come back to listen to this one you can always subscribe and you will be up to date whenever we publish the rabbit hole yeah excellent so are you ready to start I'm ready if you are. Should we start like uh, last week, making the very first definition definition of artificial life? Terms of reference. Yes.
1: Shall I start that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, obviously our subject is artificial life. Sometimes that's referred to as a life or synthetic Mm -hmm. biology or life, and generally speaking, it's the study or examination of systems related to life. And it's kind of divided up into three general approaches, yeah? yeah? Uh-huh. Uh, there is uh, soft, yes. apparently, which... From software. ...encompasses software, so that's, you know, all kinds of uh, uh-huh. molecular stuff going on with software, synthesis, or synthesizing, uh-huh. and there is hard which uses actual physical hardware computing hardware to uh-huh. to emulate or simulate or whatever life and then there is wet uh-huh. which is uh you know the real deal the uh the biochemistry
0: the biochemistry yeah. the one um, the
1: one we're most familiar with
0: yes as we are mm-hmm. that i think is the most common or the most known yeah or more blooming, if I would say. Well, there's six billion of us, so it's <laughs> <laughs> that's quite something. <laughs> so it seems popular. Uh huh. So synthetic biology is an interdisciplinary interdisciplinary field uh, that researches the the mix, the intersection between yeah. life science and engineering. Yeah, and. I think that one of the most notable improvements to these technologies uh, uh, it's the the capacity to read and write uh, DNA sequencing and synthesizing yeah? and well of course synthesizing yeah. it because, so, and like this you have uh, you can create uh, large scale. Mm. Uh, Genome engineering. Which
1: probably is what needs to happen for a lot of these things we're going to talk about to actually permeate into public Uh consciousness and society at large, I think. Yes. The things that we're going to talk about all require uh, Uh large-scale production capability. and I think at the moment it's all pretty small-scale stuff, you know.
0: I also read uh, some somewhere around that the modeling f- uh, philosophy of a life, let's say, uh-huh. is, uh, let's say, it strongly differs from the traditional model. And it's by studying not only the life as we know it, mm-hmm. but life as it might be. Oh,
1: I've seen that film. And <laughs> oh, no, that's the first podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes, and um, as we touched on, I think, in the first episode... Yeah,
0: we mentioned it vaguely because we wanted to focus more on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, We mentioned one of the main, shall we say, protagonists of this uh, technology area is uh, an American biotechnologist, Uh uh, biochemist, and geneticist, uh, Uh, called Craig Venter, Mm -hmm. and he's also very entrepreneurial, and uh, he uh, is very well known for being one of the first scientists to sequence the human genome Uh and to in fact um, insert uh, a synthetic genome into a uh, a naturally naturally occurring cell and he's also the founder and chairman of the J Craig Venter Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh that is a, a not prof- not for profit research organization, employs 250 scientists. Um and they're kind of looking at all kinds of things of explorations. Yes, so. a lot of it of course yeah. is funded by um industry, I think. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. um, obviously people
0: are looking to
1: make money.
0: The interesting part is that they not only make research about uh, Mm. uh, genomes and synthetic uh, lives, but they also study the social and ethical issues.
1: Yes, they do, because there
0: are many... I think they go hand by hand in this case.
1: Yes, and I I actually think... uh, I I may be wrong, but I think I am correct in that the US government actually... um, consults with them on these issues, and they are Uh part of a larger kind of, um, shall we say, uh, a larger exploration of these issues that, a bit like when we've talked before about artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. where um, there are um, serious implications for uh, society Mm -hmm. and mankind generally if these things are not thought about in advance. We've had many examples of technologies (laughs) that uh, we develop capability before we develop the, uh, shall we say, the sense of how to use it correctly. Uh uh And, of course, there's this, as we're going to refer to here about, this dual use, or the double-edged sword, as it's uh, Mm -hmm. probably more commonly known, that every... Every positive mm-hmm. thing generally has a negative.
0: And uh, Craig Venter yeah. became more famous, especially this year.
1: Very recently.
0: Very recent. 24th of March. Yes. The first minimal synthetic bacterial cell is constructed.
1: Uh, yes, and the the critical thing there being minimal. Minimal. Although, um, if you do some further reading, we... Provide some l- links at the uh, in the program notes. Uh-huh. Um, actually, um, although the synthetic cell that they created has uh, just four hundred and seventy three genes uh, in it, making it up. Um, actually, they were aiming for something like four hundred and fifty. That theoretically, uh-huh. <laughs> theoretically, that's what they thought they could do. But when they actually came to do it, they, fa- they found that there were some. Subtle, shall we say, interactions that required these extra, extra ones. Nevertheless, this is the smallest um, bacterial cell, and critically, can self-replicate.
0: Which uh, is that
1: not uh, the de- one of the definitions of life? Right? Exactly.
0: Uh, is exactly what I was about to say. Uh, is it, the definition of it? It's. And I think is the minimal that you would expect from this kind of development, developing mm. synthetic uh, organisms, mm. is that they could well, these cells replicate themselves to create a bigger...
1: Well, again, it's to do with, obviously, the commercialization of these technologies is probably mm-hmm. going to require this as a fundamental, isn't it? Of course. Uh, you want to be able to set off a
0: process. It's like, you're you right now, you just designed the first Lego block. <laughs> yeah.
1: It, it's it's, it's kind of like the equivalent of, um, you know, the and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but uh, it's kind of like I, I think of yeast in in making beer. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, obviously, this is a very popular subject in the uh, in the down-the-rabbit-hole studio of beer. <laughs> um, although I'd like to point out we're not drinking it at the moment, much to our disappointment, but um, uh, yeast is obviously a self-replicating uh-huh. thing, and that is the beauty of it in that you just set it off and... Uh, off it, it will goes. Grow. And that's what is required here.
0: hmm mm-hmm. And in, in design itself, uh, it's actually interesting. They are describing it that is much like it's very much like a computer. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, interesting. The genome is the software that is encoding all these instructions for the cell. Yeah. And the cellular machinery is the hardware that interprets and runs yeah. the... The genome, the instructions that are coded into it.
1: Yeah, and this is a very mm-hmm. mechanistic kind of view, but it's probably valid. Well, it obviously therefore
0: is valid. you could program genomes, yeah. put them together to create things bigger, and
1: that don't exist in nature,
0: and that don't exist exactly. Yeah. So, you can program one to replicate certain amount of times or to come together in a certain way, yeah, that could create uh, themselves another organism, yes superior the, or
1: the, I know yeah, it could either be a hazard or a benefit or, or exactly or nothing or
0: nothing exactly
1: <laughs> um yes, but the one of the defining f- factors in the Evolution of this uh-huh. area of technology has been the rapid increase in how we can actually assemble chromosomes, the actual technologies and techniques. Uh-huh. Um, over the past 10 years, um, the amount of time it requires to do these chromosome assemblies has dropped from years to months, and now it's just a matter of weeks. So, no doubt, we will get down to days, uh-huh. and possibly down to hours, and so on and so forth. And maybe at some point in the more distant future, we'll be able to uh, possibly print these uh-huh. things. Who knows? Who knows?
0: And another interesting thing is here, the composition of the cell mm. uh, in the website of the institute There is uh, this uh, pie chart where Mm. you can see that 41% of the composition is the genome expression information. Mm. 18% is cell membrane structure and function. 17% is the cytosolic metabolism. 17% is unassigned function still. And 7% is the preservation of the genome information. Right. That's the general structure of this uh, organism, this cell. Right.
1: So in that undefined area, there's a very clear place there for a copyright notice, isn't there? Uh, sh- there
0: has to be there. Something has to be there showing a copyright, maybe yeah. a serial number, a yeah. patent number. Yeah, and a helpline. Yeah. <laughs> helpline number. <laughs> If you need more help, go to <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: So yes, uh it's a fascinating area. Um yeah. and we thought that what we would do um is, is break yeah. it down into kind of benefits and risks.
0: Benefits, risks, and what can we expect from it in the exactly, future.
1: Exactly. And if I might lead on the Yeah, go ahead with benefits, the benefits. Um I think it's fair to say that this area of, if we call it synthetic biology, um, it does raise many challenges, obviously, to uh-huh. our idea of uh, nature and our place within nature. Um, but there, also, there are also uh, ethical issues and philosophical issues. Mm-hmm. And that's not even without mentioning potentially religious yeah. Issues because because we,
0: that's the first one. I I would say that that's the main or first that people would think about.
1: Well, I've got a feeling they will be the ones who shout loudest and first. Yes, of yeah, is what I meant. Playing God, right? Uh, playing God, great uh, in life. Yeah, exactly. Um, it you would. I'm not a religious person, as you know, but mm-hmm. you you have to ask that um, if a God didn't want his creation to create life then he would have kind of made sure they couldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think the very fact that we can clearly would suggest Yeah, you know, grants you are uh, maybe the chairman of the board actually um <laughs> thought maybe that's not a bad idea. I yeah. don't know. Maybe we can maybe we can improve on the um uh-huh. on the work, probably get myself in a lot of trouble for saying that. <laughs> um but um, as with a lot of things, a bit like our, pre- we've had some previous discussions about mm-hmm. the impact of the internet and, oh, yeah. and how the advent of the internet has severely tested and strained uh, existing regulatory frameworks and laws mm-hmm. to the point where um, people were actually doing things that, on the surface, were clearly illegal, but there was actually no legal framework in yeah. which to actually prosecute them. Things like, as we can remember from probably years back, about downloading and uh, mm-hmm. all that stuff, there was actually no law no, to, there was no to law. prosecute people, which, which saw people getting away with all kinds of stuff because <laughs> the lawyers are just out there scratching their heads going, well, what have they actually done? Yeah. Right? And we're in a similar position now with synthetic biology. Yeah. Our capabilities. The, it's, it's the the <laughs> this is the Napster of that. This is this is the Napster of synthetic biology. Where the technology is way getting ahead, uh-huh. very quickly, of the existing regulatory
0: frameworks. In, in fact, that's a normal thing in lot of uh, subject.
1: Uh, it would seem so. Yeah, topics. I think. I think the difference is that. Regulatory frameworks and laws and expressions of laws are actually created by uh, bodies of people and Uh legislatures and governments and so on and so forth. Whereas, potentially, creating a new cell is five people in a a lab who are very enthusiastic and they can just, you know, keep coming up with these novel ways of doing things, and it's just a different pace of activity, isn't it? So I suspect that um, this is always going to be the case, that technology will tend to outstrip um, our ability to frame laws and regulatory frameworks for for them to operate within. Uh Um, But, of course, it's not really the legitimate researchers that you're bothered about, is it? The uh, the issues are more to do with <laughs> more to do with other types of people yeah. uh, getting involved who don't care about the laws and the regulatory frameworks anyway. Um, but as this is the benefits section,
0: let's start with some benefits. Let's let's look at some benefits. But I have, please, you have a go. Well, first of all, green energy companies are using the this field of synthetic biology to modify bacteria. Hmm. This is actually known already. Maybe it was not, or people didn't realize that would fall into this category, but uh, we have seen it even in the news. We have. In the normal news or open TV news. uh, They are creating uh, modified bacteria Hmm. that can create uh, hydrocarbons for gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, and so on. And... One of the most common applications of these uh, bacteria uh, can include environmental applications like uh, defeating the hmm. uh, oil uh, spills yeah. in e- ocean e- has been the most uh, yeah. uh, known cause, and they just go eating all the oil.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously the concern is that despite the clear benefit of, you know, what a great idea... Yeah. O- obviously just by even trialing that in the environment in the real environment you are potentially introducing a previously unknown potential threat into our bi- yeah. into our biosphere aren't you
0: uh-huh and and this part of the for example removing the the oil yeah. it's a very important one because we Constantly, well, maybe nowadays less, but still happens. Like, uh, leaks. I think there accidents. is accidents, but there is constant leaking. Oh, you know, yeah, like of merchant course.
1: ships, diesel fuel spillages, running all around. It's happening all the time. Yeah, there's a constant leaking.
0: So, the, but especially the big leaks mm. deteriorate so much the, uh, the environment, the environment the, uh, that wildlife. symbiosis in the what the life in 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 the ocean.
1: Yeah. Yes, it is a clear. It is a clear area of application. Just generally, and it's a very good one.
0: Environmental cleanup. And, it's a big thing. And the fact it? that from bacteria mm. that can, uh, like you were saying before we started, they practically can eat any garbage. That's, that's and right. And transform it into fuel.
1: That's right. And and there is, uh, I know there is a, a pilot plant. <laughs> literally, uh-huh. literally. Uh, there is a pilot. Um, Production facility, I think, in California somewhere. um, That because they have lots of sunlight, what they have is a a facility that is uh, modified algae, Mm -hmm. um, and they're in kind of lots and lots of kind of bags, transparent Uh bags that are getting lots of sunlight, and basically the uh, the algae are being fed sugars, carbohydrates, and they. Produce
0: as waste product um, hydrocarbons, oil. You know what that reminds Incredible. me as well of. Uh, maybe this is for the previous show, but it <laughs> reminds me just now the model of the fuel uh, part of uh, the DeLorean from the future. Oh, right. Where you were putting garbage and yeah. being transformed into fuel for yeah. the exactly. car. Exactly, So maybe something built up where it contains this kind of modified bacteria inside yeah. that container, yeah. you just drop Imagine in the garbage that, yeah. and creates the fuel necessary for the car.
1: Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Your, uh, your uh, bio, uh, your waste uh, uh, compactor in your kitchen mm-hmm. one day could... Feed directly into the fuel cell of your car. Right?
0: Yeah, well, directly. I mm. have no more fuel. To to throw some garbage there.
1: Oh, I'm about to take a patent out on that. By the way, so <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> good I'll, idea. I'll try and beat you to it. Let's try out. to
0: be faster. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so looking next at, one.
1: Looking at yeah, more benefits. Um, for example, um, health. Health, obviously. Now, things like um, diagnosing disease conditions and. Again, I know from other reading that um, there, are, there is a technology currently available and it's actually called Lab on a Chip. Mm. And, it's, and it's effectively a silicon wafer with micro-engineered channels in it to direct um, flows of fluids using um, um, whatever the word is that, that draws fluids along narrow channels. Can't remember the word at the moment, um, and they use uh, electrostatic fields to draw um, liquids along. Uh-huh. And then basically, what you can do is you can introduce a drop of <clears> blood <throat> at one end of the chip, and the channels draw several channels draw uh, distribute the, the cells the... along. And at the end of each channel is a modified um, bacteria that detects a specific disease molecule or a disease. Uh-huh. Um, receptor on a cell or something like that. And then uh, it causes fluorescence, for example, and the chip sits inside, obviously a larger unit, Mm -hmm. still still potentially only the size of a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. And uh, each lab on a chip can detect several disease types. Uh, You know, this is pretty astounding It's like a
0: modern... uh... Uh, glucose uh, measurement things. Yeah, it's an advanced. You put a chip there that reads only certain tags and those on.
1: Yeah, and and obviously the implications for um, our own health systems, I'm from the United Kingdom, for example, Um, the cost of providing health care and diagnosis to millions of people is just... Unbelievable, as we know. Mm -hmm. With ageing populations, it's only getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. More and more unaffordable. So these kinds of technologies where potentially your your doctor might, in Mm -hmm. the future, you may be able to go on your doctor's surgery website and ask them to send you a diagnostic thing. With a drop of blood. Yeah, and you just, you know, provide a small... Sample or whatever, yeah, and without going to the doctor, it will actually do the diagnosis and potentially relay the information to a clinician and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So, in advanced economies, you can see how that would impact greatly on making healthcare more efficient. Mm-hmm. But if you think about um, other countries, uh, developing countries, where they struggle to provide even the most basic.
0: Mm-hmm
1: these technologies will be transformational, won't they?
0: And in the end, my, uh will bring better quality of life.
1: For, yeah, uh, totally. This could be transformational, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: yeah, so those are
0: some benefits. Yes, because we also have many more related, for example, to plants. Yeah, there are many. More. To making biofuels. New, dr- new drugs. New drugs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, detecting uh, environmental conditions. Mm-hmm. Same kind of uh, technique as detecting disease conditions, really. It's all mm-hmm. variations on a theme, isn't it?
0: And theoretically, just as you can clean uh, environmental accidents or problems, yeah. you could use Modify to clean up your own body. Yes, yes. And we may come to
1: that in a minute with a, mm-hmm. an interesting story. Yes, of course. Story.
0: Yeah. So... Now, let's move on to the risks. Yeah. What are the risks? Well, You knew what I th- we were going to th- do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think everybody would have concerns, or a lot of people would have concerns about uh, the risk of using synthetic biology. Yeah. And there are four main headings of this. Yeah. Biosafety, biosecurity, intellectual property, and trade. Yeah. And of course... Ethical concerns, uh, of course, which is the always those, present there, yeah. is the default there.
1: Yeah, always. Yeah.
0: And what's the most uh, feared risk?
1: I, I suppose for you, we've discussed this briefly, we uh, would say bioterrorism. Yes. Um, because we are aware, and maybe some of the listeners are aware, that there are, it is now possible to actually do. Um, bioengineering on your kitchen table. Yes. There are... Groups. There are, there are in fact, global groups. Do it to- yourself. Totally innocent, <laughs> yes. just pursuing it as an area of interest, as a yeah. hobby, and they can now buy, just as in uh, many other areas of technology, the cost of equipment for doing certain things and developing certain things has plummeted over... The last ten or twenty thirty years with um, developments in um, manufacturing, and it 's the same in this area that you can buy all kinds of equipment that twenty years ago you would you wouldn't even think <laughs> about being able to buy, but now you can, and it opens up obviously interesting areas for hobbyists. But one man's hobbyist is an, is another man's uh, bioterrorist, right? Yeah. <laughs> um and of course they are not concerned with uh, ethical uh, boundaries or no. regulatory frameworks or anything else. So yes, um the 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 danger is um that groups could construct novel organisms with either lethal or incapacitating effects um, mm-hmm. they could uh either develop from scratch or modify a well-known disease vector like the yeah. polio virus or uh, the SARS. respiratory syndrome SARS right? mm-hmm. um, and the although there are major concerns about regulatory oversight the thing is bioterrorism mm-hmm. concerned about these things um so yes, it's uh, that is our probably most people's main concern, but there yeah. are there are others,
0: many others, like uh, uh, for example, recreate uh, existing or more like extinct or er- eradicated uh, pathogens. Yes,
1: like the plague. For the example, plague which it's, is bubonic plague. I think it's bubonic is bubonic plague? Yeah.
0: Imagine suddenly, boom, pops in now. Yeah. Boom, another. But again, obviously,
1: I don't think anybody would do that as a kind of a hobby subject. No. So again, or really, maybe by
0: accident, maybe uh, for you person. know the typical accidents that happen yes. in labs. You know, I was trying to create. I
1: was cry, trying to create utopia, and look what happened. <laughs> yeah. Type stuff.
0: But yeah. then we also have uh, economical risks. Totally. We have, for example, uh, patenting strategies that could create monopolies, yeah. that could, could actually inhibit the research and resist the product development for other people.
1: That's right. And this is already occurring in the States with companies Exciting. patenting
0: genes. Genes and research became, right now, like I was calling it the other day, pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the paywall, right? Yeah.
1: It's it's extending into every area. And obviously there are also trade issues. So, for example, uh-huh. Um. Developed countries, advanced economies, could actually create whole industries based on producing uh, certain products uh, on a on a industrial scale and exporting them, using them as a as a cash mm-hmm. um, crop inverted commas if I could say that um, again. Um, you can imagine that they would seek to protect those. Um, industries uh-huh. from uh, competitors in lower uh, cost economies mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. Uh, regulatory
0: frameworks and so on. And so you could see conflicts potentially. Yeah, occurring. there will be there would be conflicts, and of course, one that would uh, raise immediately, like we said, the first people to scream would be religion. Totally about creating artificial life. Yeah. That's, I think, uh, the first one that will start to rise.
1: Yes, but but uh, just as we, in fact, in my country, we're experiencing a a problem at the moment, which is <clears throat> fairly mundane, but it's to do with um, steel production and the fact that um, because of steel production in other countries at a much lower cost, yeah. China mainly, um, it has absolutely decimated our steel industry, our steel manufacturing industry, and you can imagine similar problems occurring in mm-hmm. the future with this kind of stuff, right? Yes. Um, it's raising fascinating questions, I think.
0: Uh huh. And then we come to the future.
1: Yeah. The future. So obviously, we've discussed this and. Uh, there is clear ignorance in the general population lack of understanding uncertainty about the risks of this area of technological development and anyway the um as we were saying that um scientists you know regulators and man in the street uh-huh. uh are all stakeholders in this and mm-hmm. uh, there is a general lack of Uh, understanding of what is required Uh and um, obviously these concerns about dual use, the double-edged sword problem. Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's hard to establish uh, where we want to arrive.
1: Where the line is,
0: Yeah, I, I think it's very difficult to, to see it right now.
1: Well, you know what will happen? As usual, we will step <laughs> over the line and then go, Oh, Oops. maybe... Let me step back a bit. <laughs> yeah, Maybe that was a bit too much. Right? <laughs> Look, uh, most of just about everybody appears to be dead or has got two heads or something. Uh-huh. That's not what we meant to do.
0: So um it's interesting. And based on this and on future... We actually have a very interesting story—a little story—that yeah. we found from this website, syntheticbiology.org.
1: Yeah, and they they imagined mm-hmm. in a couple of paragraphs what uh, life might be like for uh, one of us uh-huh. um, in some un- unspecified point in the future, probably not that far away.
0: Yes. Um, And we wanted to read the story for you. It's it's short, it will not take much, but you will find interesting the way they imagine the applications that we can have in our everyday life. It is very interesting. So, here it goes. The number of bacterial cells in your body at this very moment is equivalent to the total population of your own cells. For the most part, they are beneficial, preventing infection, aiding digestion, and perhaps even producing useful chemicals. These commensals, as they are called, have evolved with humans in a strongly symbiotic relationship. Clearly, our body is already conditioned to hold a vast army of prokaryotes to do this uh, bidding. How can synthetic biology harness this potential? Imagine a time that no too distant future. Elliot wakes up in the morning to get ready for work. After taking a shower, he examines his clean, clear face in the mirror, deciding that he can probably wait another month before reapplying the bio-spray that keeps his skin pores clean and renders shaving unnecessary. The spray contains skin surface bacteria engineered to eat dirt, oil, and dead skin, as well as dissolve the keratin in facial hair, while keeping the skin intact. They also prevent colonization by foreign bacteria that can cause infection of pores in skin, preventing acne. He looks at his old toothbrush in the medicine cabinet and decides to throw it away. Ever since the dentist gave him the oral wash earlier this year, he has no use for it. The wash contain a population of bacterial cells programmed to vigorously eat and break down any stains of food residue and dissolved plague buildup. They also created a special biofilm which prevents other bacteria from colonizing, eliminating, halitosis and gingivitis. Elliot decided to change his bread scent (laughs) and picked up a small pen light which he set to yellow and flushed in his mouth. A few minutes later, he checked his bread. (sighs) Faintly, sweet and citrusy Very pleasant. The bacteria had been programmed to produce different aromatic compounds depending on the detection of specific pulses of light the type Elliot had washed with gave him seven popular scents to choose from. Elliot walked downstairs to the table for breakfast. He had a bowl bowl of cereal and milk along with a spicy southwest omelette and some sausages. Eating was always an enjoyable experience. Elliot used to be wary of many foods, as he was prone to frequent indigestion, especially from spicy foods or dairy foods. But since his visit to the dietitian early this year, those problems were a thing of the past. After analyzing his symptoms, the doctor selected a digestive commensal for the BioBrix 3000 catalog, which had been programmed for his needs. Now lactose and the irritating chemicals in most spicy food were broken down with ease in his stomach before they could cause any distress. An added benefit was that he no longer had to worry about food poisoning. The new commensals specifically target and kill any pathogens from a long list of possible food contaminants and could even neutralize the toxins these bacteria produce. Elliot Relish his new state of permanent gastrointestinal bliss. Elliot then left for his exciting job in the at the screw factory. Little did he know that the PDKLHS People's Democratic Republic of four left handed screws (laughs) had sinister plans this very day to (laughs) be (laughs) continued. And that is actually a
1: fascinating And that's amazing.
0: That's really awesome. Imagine a life like that.
1: Well, it it kind of, uh, crystallizes what the potential benefits are, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. And kind of, I know it's always probably more, shall we say, interesting to focus on the downsides, but the plus sides are, are, are many, aren't they?
0: Are a lot, I think. Uh, these kind of applications like we hear in that story, mm. it leads to what I was mentioning earlier. Uh, a better quality of life
1: yes, but how uh-huh. are we talking about a post human yeah this is this is uh this is not evolution is it well it is evolution with a helping
0: and evolution or revolution
1: it's an evolution i think it is we it's uh well we we've largely um Bypassed evolution now. Yeah, things are changing so quickly; evolution doesn't work this fast. No, and actually,
0: we kind kind of influence the evolution.
1: And you've also got to think that, let us say, this imagined future occurs, which I've no doubt it will in some form. uh, I think a simple kind of test, shall we say, of the concepts regarding evolution Uh is that obviously you can have this. uh, treatment for your gut and your stomach, but if you had children, they wouldn't inherit them mm-hmm. it, because it's not part of
0: your genetic makeup. But we talked about I being influenced in the, we the genes. We're talking. So maybe <laughs> epigenetics. Epigenetics. Right? Maybe you will influence. I agree. And pass it over. I agree. And maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe that is possible. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, these this is these are possible futures and they're
0: fascinating, I think. It is fascinating.
1: So maybe we should finish with maybe some reading we could suggest. Yes, go ahead. You um, can suggest to the books. We thought we'd just give you a um, couple of references to books by Craig Venter as mm-hmm. we were kind of fo- focusing on this guy at the beginning. Yeah. Um, He has a few books, but we'll just mention two. One is called Life at the Speed of Light. Mm -hmm. And the other one is called From the Double Helix to the Dawn of Digital Life, A Life Decoded. Mm -hmm. And these are fascinating books, and we would uh, maybe suggest you have a look at them.
0: Yes, and if you read them already, why don't you give us your opinion? Yes, we'd love to hear that. We would love to hear what you think about the books. We would like to hear what you think about Mm. the topic.
1: And like all topics, um, just because we've covered it doesn't mean we won't come back to it. Come back to it,
0: exactly. If you have something else that you would like to... A perspective? uh, To apport, to give uh, to the topic, a view, just share it with us. And we can return always to any of the topics we already discussed to get even further in, oh. in those topics.
1: Or yeah, looking at it from a different
0: D- Different angle, different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, with this, we finish with today's show. Yes. Thank you very much, Carl. Uh, Rafael was a pleasure. A very interesting subject. It is. It is fascinating. Mm. And we will talk to you next week in another episode down the rabbit hole. My name is Rafael Ruiz. Bye. All names, sounds, logos, and other related items are owned by their respective trademark and copyright holders. This podcast is a production of Dark Mind Radio. Go to darkmindradio.com to find out more. All rights reserved. Dark Mind Radio 2016.